<clears throat> Good evening. We can be opening to 1 Samuel 7, and we'll read just a short passage tonight to get us started. <clears throat> As always, it's very good to see you all. Uh, we very much enjoy every trip out here, and it's good to gather with God's people, whether it's here or otherwise. In 1 Samuel 7, we'll start at verse 12, where we read, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Now, when I read this passage, we'll get into some of these details here, but as I was reflecting on this passage, the Lord brought many memories um, to my mind, and just ask a simple question, does anybody here have memories? Um, some of us may be losing uh, some of those memories, it seems, as we age, but it's not a, a trick question. We all have memories uh, in some capacity. Uh, we remember things, sometimes pleasant, sometimes things that are not so pleasant. Oftentimes, they're associated with someone or something. Uh, as I was thinking about this uh, and working through this lesson, the Lord put on my heart several things that come to mind when I when I think of places or, or people or things. Um, a couple of weeks back, Ryan and I um, got free drinks for our birthday, so we went to a coffee shop and ordered drinks, and uh, the drink I got was a peppermint mocha, and instantly uh, I was back to a moment in time when the kids were young uh, and we were driving to the zoo lights. Again, why our minds work these ways sometimes, but that's instantly came back to my mind, just that, that first taste, that smell of it. Um, was what came to my mind. And as I was thinking through, you know, just even the, the smells that we smell sometimes or songs that we hear, so often will spark a memory. And I'm thankful for those um, when I hear or, or smell, smell certain things, um, those times when the Lord just brings something back to us um, that we remember. And, you know, sometimes when we want to remember things, we might write ourselves a note, a sticky note or something like that. We might put an alert on our phone. Um, you know, those are just normal things that, that we use to remember something. But something significant that's truly life-changing or, or monumental typically has some sort of, of marker in our mind. And, and there's ways that memories process and things like that, and we won't get into the, the science or the physiology of that. But as I was thinking about this, you know, a, a meaningful event, um, one that came up uh, was the birth of our first child, truly life-altering uh, moment in our lives. Uh, all good, of course. But in, the, in those moments, um, you know, I didn't write myself a sticky note on February 1st to say, hey, remember Maddie was born on February 1st. Uh, I didn't put a, a note in my phone because back on my Motorola flip phone, you couldn't put notes in it. It, it was back when phones were used just to actually make phone calls. Um, but while we were at the hospital, uh, the, one of the nurses came in and put ink on Maddie's foot and put a footprint on my chest, uh, or on my T-shirt, rather. And we did that for, for all of our kids. But that was you know, just a, a moment in time, and, and we came across that T-shirt when we were moving and, and pulled it out of a drawer somewhere, and it, it brought back all kinds of memories to me. Here we read about Samuel, and he, he sets up this stone um, and calls it Ebenezer, and we'll get to that in a moment. But, you know, he didn't have some kind of technology to remember things. So he had, he had a physical stone that he set up to remember this monumental time in the history of Israel. Something significant had just happened to the Israelites. The ark had been returned. Uh, there was a great victory against the Philistines that was won, 
And Samuel's understanding and taking in the, the gravity, the scope, the fullness of this moment, and he was grateful. He wanted to remember this moment. He wanted others to remember this moment. So he set up a stone, and he called it Ebenezer, a stone of help. The Lord has helped us thus far. And again, today, we still use stones and rocks in, a, in, a, in this same fashion. We have monuments, statutes, gravestones, whatever it may be. We use, we use rocks to remember things. And there's certainly a, a picture there coming um, in just a few moments. We, we do things to remember the faithfulness of the Lord, or we should. Uh, interestingly enough, as I was studying this lesson, Rachel came home from work one day and, and was sharing a story of a coworker who paints pictures when the Lord does something significant in her life, or she goes through something that's a, a trial or, or emotional or something. She paints a picture. And I can assure you that nobody wants me to paint a picture or draw a picture to remember anything. Um, you'd look at it, and you'd probably just become angry trying to figure out what on earth I was trying to depict. But setting up a stone, that's something that I, I think I can handle. I can pick up and do the, the physical labor, um, the fine motor skills of drawing and things like that or being creative certainly is not in my wheelhouse. But Samuel wanted to remember this, so he, he picked up a stone and he set it there so that people, when they came by it, they would wonder, well, what is the stone? And there would be an opportunity to share. In our lives, so often there are things that, that we go through, experiences that we experience that the Lord, his faithfulness is just seen in it, in our lives and, and by others around us. And, and we'll get to that in a moment. But here we see that the, the victory that they won, Samuel didn't want people to forget that. They didn't want the Israelites to forget his faithfulness. And again, we may not have these physical stones or these milestones or markers in our lives, but we certainly have them in our, in our minds, in our hearts. Um, that, that moment in time... I talked about with Maddie being born. We drive by that hospital uh, every time we come into town for the most part, and I think about it. I think about the times that we had there and, and those moments and times and the other hospital that, that Taylor and Ryan were born at. I remember those moments and just all the emotions and the change that's coming, and those are pleasant memories. Uh, and it's a time to, to remember the goodness of the Lord and the blessings that he gave us. And as Samuel was setting up this stone, he wanted people to remember that. When they were struggling, when they, they thought, oh, defeat is at our doorstep, remember that stone. Remember the deliverance that the Lord brought and rejoice. And as we look at this thought, Ebenezer, the stone of help, we're just going to pick that word apart just briefly and then bring it back together with an example, a story, an account in Joshua at the end. But just we'll start with the second part of the meaning of that word, help. Uh, so stone of help. So we'll look at help first. Let's turn over to Psalms 46. In Psalms 46, verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Again, the children of Israel knew that the Lord was their help. They knew that he was their strength. But so often in their history, we see how quickly they forgot it. Or when something came up, they moved beyond it and, and focused on the moment instead of on God's Faithfulness. That's exactly what Samuel was doing. His intent here was to leave a stone behind to remember that this is a, 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 monu a monumental example of God's faithfulness. And the children of Israel used these occasions or these stones in other places. In Genesis, you can read about a couple where Jacob rose early in the morning. He's, he took a stone that he had been resting his head on and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on it. And he called that place Bethel. Later in the book of Genesis, he 
He talked with the Lord, and Jacob set a pillar in that place where he talked to him, a stone, and poured a drink offering on it. Again, Jacob wanted to remember these for himself, but again, he wanted the children of Israel to remember exactly what this psalm says. God is a very present help in our time of need. And even when we don't have a specific need in mind, God is still a very present help. Let's go to Psalms 37 now, just a few chapters back. And we need to be reminded, as the Israelites were, that God is always faithful. David here, speaking in Psalms 37, he's, he's kind of reflecting on some of the events of his life. In Psalms 37, verse 23, we'll read down to 26. We read, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his ways. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Again, did David have trials? Did he have struggles? Um, Brother Chris just prayed a moment ago to help us remember that all things means all things. David, we know uh, his life was in danger and jeopardy on a regular basis, yet he said, the Lord has ordered my steps. And again, if I was going to order my own steps, it wouldn't be anywhere near trials, danger, or somebody wanting to take my life. But David reflected, and he said, the Lord upholds. He said, I've been through a lot of things. I've been young, and now I'm old, but I've never seen the Lord forsake his people, even when it seems or feels like we may be alone or forsaken. And, and when you look at that, that only comes through a faith, through an understanding of who God is and what he's trying to accomplish in our lives. David trusted the Lord's leading, his guiding, his direction. And when, again, I won't put these words in David's mouth, but I'll put them in my own of when we start to focus too much on what's going on around us and we lose sight and we focus too much on the thing instead of God, then we might doubt, we might fear, we might not have this understanding. In those moments, we need to pause. I know I need to pause and remember that God is ever merciful, that he brings faith faith and that his peace passes understanding. Again, staying in Psalms here, we'll go to Psalms 106 now. Again, so much about peace and help in the Psalms, and what an encouraging uh, compilation of Psalms. If you, if you find yourself discouraged, you could probably literally just flip open to any Psalm and read it and be encouraged. But we'll go to Psalm 106 here in verse 44. Speaking of God, says, Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry, And for their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the multitude of his mercies. Again, a multitude is an abundance of greatness, and that's who our Heavenly Father is, one who provides in abundance. His mercies are given to us in a multitude, in a significant amount. We can think of that very familiar passage to us in Lamentation, where we read, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Again, that's a passage that can do nothing but overwhelm us with peace and joy when we just pause and reflect on his mercy and his compassion that it is there, and it's fresh and it's new every morning. Even in the the darkest of times, the hardest of days that we may face, we know, one, he is faithful, and we know, two, that he's going to be there with a multitude of mercies awaiting us when we just simply stop, look, and listen. David said, I remember the days of old. I will meditate on all your works. I will ponder the works of your hand. Again, understanding what the Lord has done, what he is doing, and what he has promised to do 
should cause great celebration, great thanksgiving, and great peace in our hearts. Again, we know tomorrow is literally the day we call Thanksgiving, but it's a, it should be not just a day in a year, but it really should be an attitude, a character that defines God's children. To remember that he is faithful, he is ever merciful, and ever loving. He is our rock, and we'll transition to the first part of the meaning of that word Ebenezer that First Samuel talked about, or excuse me, that Samuel talked about in our opening text in First Samuel. The stone of help, again, the stone we can think about is, is pretty easy to identify that rock as Christ Jesus. Let's go all the way back to the Old Testament in Exodus 17, and we'll see a reference to this rock that is ours, that is our Savior, that is our anchor, that is our firm foundation. <clears throat> Going back to Exodus chapter 17, again, as Moses is leading the children of Israel up from Egypt to the promised land, we'll pick up here in verse 5 of Exodus 17. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Again, the rock, Christ Jesus, we understand that Christ was struck once. The rock was struck once for all, death defeated, and the abundance of the fountain of living waters poured out so that all the people may drink. What a picture for us to understand who the rock is, the stone, the rock, Christ Jesus. A great picture here that even, again, just in the rocks and the natural, how they're steady, they're enduring, they're immovable. Often uh, what we build upon, just in a natural sense, when we build things, um, the new building, uh, Brother Doug shared several pictures throughout the construction process, and you see one of the very early things that they did to start erecting that building was to, to lay a foundation. We need something solid to build upon, and we know the only thing solid and lasting in this life is the Lord. He is our rock. His work is perfect. His ways are justice. Righteous and upright is he. His work is perfect. And again, at times we just, we don't see it, and at times we can't comprehend it, and at times we simply blind our eyes to it. God desires for us to come and anchor ourselves to this solid foundation that has ours, to cling to that rock, to that hope that is ours, to remember that the rock was struck once for all to provide that sure foundation to provide the living water that we need. He's unchangeable as a rock is. He's steady, he's unmovable, and his peace, his strength is perfect, and his power is without measure. Let's go to Second Samuel now. And again, we see David crying out here in Second Samuel 22. In Second Samuel 22, we'll begin with verses 32 and 33, and then we'll drop down to verse 47. <clears throat> David speaking here says, For who is God except the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. And now down to 47, it says, The Lord lives, blessed be my rock, let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. Again, speaking after another great deliverance that David had experienced in his life. <clears throat> delivered time after time from the hand of Saul as David's reflecting. He knew his only rock, his only strength, his only source of, of comfort, of stability, 
was the Lord. Again, we think of this world, and we can think of it as shifting sand. If we try to anchor ourselves to anything other than the Lord, it has it's subject to change. It's subject to movement as any foundation that's not built on something solid is. This crying out to God, saying, Blessed be my rock, came after hardship for David. But as he's reminding as he's reminding himself of these hardships, this adversity that he's living in, facing, dealing with on a day-to-day basis, the foundation remains strong, and David remembered that. And he, he made it, in his mind, akin to a rock, a big boulder. Again, these mountains that are behind us aren't moving. They're firm. They're always there. Every time we drive back, they haven't moved. They're, they've stayed the same since we left. And as we begin to wrap up tonight, I want to look at an, an account in Joshua that that helps tie this all together for us to, to have this lesson, this tie into what Samuel was, was doing back in our opening text. As we, we turn over to Joshua chapter 4, in this account, Joshua is now leading the children of Israel. Moses had died at this point in time, and there's many lessons there about him striking the rock a second time, but we won't get into that tonight. Now, Moses is dead. Joshua is charged with leading the children of Israel into the promised land. Again, we go through them spying and the the doubts and the fears and how Joshua remains steadfast, remembering who the rock is. As we look at this portion, Joshua is coming across or, or to the shores of the Jordan River, and they need to cross to enter into the promised land. They're They're going to see a mighty work, and the Lord reminds them of this mighty work that's to come to come to pass. When the priest, he tells them, when the priest's feet touch the banks of the river, the river is going to stop, and they will pass over on dry ground. And again, they had this experience before. They had passed through the Red Sea. There's an understanding of God has been faithful, and when we get to the shoreline sometimes of the Red Sea or the Jordan River, whatever it may be, we see the water, and, and it's hard to not wonder, well, how, do, how are we going to get through this? Now what has come up? Joshua trusted He followed, and he let the Lord lead. Let's pick up there in Joshua 4, and we'll read verses 1 through 3. And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over, Carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. The priest stood in the midst of the Jordan while everybody passed over. They passed over on dry ground as the Lord was doing this wonderful miracle. And something odd that comes about this is Joshua says, I need 12 men to pick up stones and carry them off the riverbed and take them with us. Let's find out why. Dropping down to verse 19 of the same chapter. Now when the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in the time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. As the Lord your God did in the Red Sea, which he dried up before, before us until we had crossed over, then all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. They crossed over, and as they're crossing over, 
he instructs him to grab stones and take them with take them with him again there's no other place to get those stones except the riverbed and so when the children asked what are these stones where did they come from again what a story that must have been to recount you, you understand these came out of the the bottom of that river and you would ask well how on earth could that happen how can you take stones out of a rushing river and it was an opportunity for them to share the mighty work that came from the hand of God to get to the promised land, they had to cross over the River Jordan. They had to go through some things. They had to go through this river, this trial, the, to get these stones. They couldn't just grab them on the shoreline. They had to go down into the river and pick them up. So often is the case in our lives that we have to go through hardships. We have to go through, through the trial to understand the experience of faith so that our faith may grow, that we may understand that that rock is firm, it's unmoving, and it is immovable that God is faithful to guide us, to direct us, and growing our faith, even if we're in the midst of a river that was at once rushing, he can calm and still and dry up the land beneath our feet. Our faith is of great value, and sometimes it takes these experiences to understand, to try, to prove, to test it. I neglected to write down who wrote this. It wasn't me, as you will soon understand, because it's very poetic, and I explained earlier that's not my forte. But one writing about the trials of life and what it does to our faith says this. It says, No flowers were so lovely as a blue as those that grow at the foot of a frozen glacier. No stars gleam so brightly as those that glisten in the polar sky. No water tastes so sweet as that which springs amidst the desert sand. And no faith is so precious as that which lives and triumphs in adversity. Tried faith brings experience. You could not have believed your own weakness had you not been compelled to pass through the rivers. And you would never have known God's strength had you not been supported amid the floodwaters. Faith increases strength, assurance, and intensity. The more it is exercised with tribulation, faith is precious, and its trial is precious too. Again, those are very elegant words, but understanding that Faith is precious. It's something that we need to cherish and be grateful for and thankful. But trials are precious too because they grow us and they help us to understand that this this is tried and true, that it's not going to fail us. God is not going to fail us. Joshua wanted the children of Israel to remember not just those who put the stones on their shoulders and carried them out of the river, but he wanted the children to come after, the next generation to understand how God had led his dear children along. You can tell them how God brought you through faithfully. And as we read there in verse 24, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. So too in our lives, we can carry the stones, the experiences, the trials that we go through on our shoulders that others may see and ask, how do you have that faith? How do you have that peace when you're carrying that huge stone on your shoulders? And we can point them to the rock, the rock who has been our help. When they see that fruit of the Spirit that comes, when they see that peace that passes understanding, even when life is challenging, we can tell others about the stone of help. We can tell them about our Ebenezer, that others may see, they may, they may question, why, how can you do this? How can you have peace in the midst of this trial, this tribulation that you are going through? On this journey, it's an opportunity for us to carry that stone. Not that we're carrying a burden around with us, but we're carrying around that memory in our head 
in our heart of how faithful the Lord has been, knowing that he will continue to be faithful. We'll go to Psalms 61 tonight as we wrap up. In Psalm 61, we'll read verses 1 through 4 here, where we see an assurance of God's eternal protection, as this passage is a summary of what we've talked about this evening. Psalm 61.1 says, Hear my prayer, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. God's protection, his faithfulness is eternal. His mercies are new every morning, and we are not consumed by the trials and temptations of this life. Great is your faithfulness, the psalmist says here. The Lord has delivered and will deliver. He attends to our needs. He hears our prayer. Remember this, our stone of help is faithful. Again, when we have these memories that come up, when we see these places, these things, they're such a reminder of what the Lord has led us through, how he has remained faithful. And as I was preparing this lesson, I didn't know if we were going to be in this building or not. But as I was thinking about this building, I was thinking about this place has been an Ebenezer. This has been a stone of help, a building that was not designed to house a church month after month after month after month after month. But the Lord has taken this place and brought blessing to us all. And the handful of times that I've been here and assembled with you all, the Lord has blessed this place. He has blessed this room because his people are here. He is our rock. He is that firm foundation, and we can run to him. As the rock badgers, we can nestle down into the cleft of the rock and have our surety confirmed. Moses wanted to see the glory of the Lord, and the Lord put him in the cleft of the rock and covered him there with his hand and showed him his glory. The Lord is covering us with his hand. In this place and everywhere else we are, he covers us with the palm of his hand and lets us see his glory, lets us see his work. The rock is where my help comes from. Thus far, the Lord has helped us, and he will continue to. He is a solid foundation, unchanging, immovable. Remember his works. Remember those memorial stones in our lives. Set them up in your life. Remind yourself of them. Let the Spirit bring them to remembrance. How great our God is, ever faithful, ever present, ever sure. Lord bless you.